This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend and co-host, John Beeler. We have a great program today. Uh, we will uh, be talking all about wine apps. Uh, if you've ever wanted to get a little help in choosing wine, buying wine, looking like you know what you're talking about when you're talking about wine, uh, we've got a great uh, expert to help us walk through some of the, uh, the most popular wine apps uh, out there. John, I, I'm trying to get into wine. It's hard. And so mm-hmm. I, I appreciate uh, these types of apps that have that information. You can basically like scan labels and it'll tell you all about the wine and, and give recommendations and reviews. Well, well, even just remembering what you've already used. Oh, my or, God. Yeah. Or tried. I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> uh, and we'll be talking with folks down at uh, Vancouver Mural Fest. Uh, so this is something that's happening in Vancouver, British uh, Columbia. It's uh, an outdoor art installation festival that blends uh i guess art like murals and statues and takes the technology bent by incorporating augmented reality so people can bring their smartphones hold up their camera to it and different things happen to take that uh, art experience to another level so uh we'll be finding out about some of the cool things that they're they're doing there as well and we'll be opening up the mailbag taking uh some of the questions that we get from you, the listener, and answering them on the show. Let's talk about some of the news now, uh, John, and uh, lots of stuff uh, to go through here today. Before we get to some of it, I, I got to tell you a story about my Tesla app. I have a Tesla Model 3, and, and you were there. Uh, we were at uh, work at the studio, and uh, we're actually uh, on the line with our, our friend Catherine from uh, CKNW. She was uh, actually going through one of our previous shows with us to tell us what we were doing wrong and what we're doing good. <laughs> Very helpful. And all of a sudden, I, I get this little notification on my phone. It's my Tesla app saying something's happening with your Tesla. You know, the security's been set off. And then my brain instantly remembers, oh, my God, I I parked in a, a tow-away zone at 3 o'clock yes. in the street in front of our studio. If you don't move your car, you're towed. And, th- and John- they are on that. They oh, my God. That, yeah, it was like 3.05. And thank God, thank God I had that app. To, to give me that reminder, I was able to run out there and stop him from towing my car. And you literally ran out in a huff. I know you, you guys were on like a video call with Catherine. She's like, what the hell is going on? And you didn't even know either, right? No, no. I, I, I assume because you were going out to the front to, you were going to pick up something or something was being dropped off. Yeah. Um, Oh my God. I've never ran so fast because you know, because you get the ticket. I got the ticket, right? Uh, but then when they tow you, that's that's a lot of money too. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, and then I got to go make you drive me down to the <laughs> the tow yard. I hate going down yeah. there. It's just sadness. Yeah. But anyway, I I saved my car. I had to pay the tow driver some cash, but anyway, you had to bribe I, him. I, well, I don't. It's a, <laughs> a courtesy tip, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> Thank you for not making my life miserable. Oh my God. So yeah, I just love how connected, you know, some things are now, you know, some, sometimes I'm thinking we're too connected, but I, I love the fact that uh, I was able to, to get that notification. Do you, speaking of cars that notify you, you remember I, I, I got rear ended a little while ago, my new Kia. Yeah. Um, pretty minor accident, but I had to get my bumper replaced. I took it into the, into the um, body, body shop. And I kept getting notifications all day that my car was unlocked because they were working on it. <laughs> and I was like, can I snooze these for a little while? Because they're going to be working on this all day. Yeah. 
You know, my problem now though is I, I've got this Tesla and I'm I'm loving it. And what I love is that I, it just unlocks with my smartphone because I've mm-hmm. I've paired it with the car. Uh, my problem now is when I drive other cars because oh, wh- when I yeah. get in my car, I I don't even have to do anything. I just it just unlocks. I go in and just drive. And when I'm finished, I park the car, I get out, I slam the door, and I just walk away. Everything just locks for me. I yeah. can't tell you. I've, so I've got a second car, a Chevy Traverse, like this SUV. I can't tell you how many times now that I get somewhere and I walk away that, and, the, and the car's still running. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of the day, I'm like, where are the keys? You know, because I'm going out to go home. And then I realize, oh my God, I've left the car in, in a parking lot running all day with the keys in it. And I don't know why it's still, yeah. And you know, we're, we're in kind of a up and coming neighborhood, you know what I mean? Our, our studio. So you'd think of all places where that car would be gone, <laughs> that, that's where it would happen. But somehow by the grace of God, I, you know. It, it, it's so funny how you get used to the newer technology. Like that's the problem I have with, with my car too. When I was getting mine replaced, they gave me a gas vehicle as a loaner and I, realized how much i hated driving that car <laughs> i know it's hard right going back you have to unlearn how to drive yeah um because with a at least with our electric vehicles they have you know um how you brake and how you hit the gas pedal is very different than how you do it with a normal car because you've got the regenerative braking so you don't actually have to press the brakes the car slows down by itself as soon as you let off the gas but the kind of the opposite problem that you have with your traverse i have with my electric vehicle still i will park the car and get out of it because it doesn't make any sound when it's on yeah and it'll be running and then it starts beeping at me like your car's still on and you just left <laughs> the car <laughs> yeah boy we have a hard life we do we do uh let's look at some of the news here uh google not everything google touches turns to gold they have a video game service called google stadia if you're into gaming, you might have heard of it. It's like a cloud-based gaming service. And they've launched this over the past couple of years with big fanfare. Uh, you just have to have like a Chromecast key, put it on your TV, get the Google controller, and you can log in and for a monthly subscription, get access to a bunch of games. And so they were going to be making all their own games at uh, an internal studio as well, but uh, they just announced they're shutting that down. Not the Stadia yeah, service, but the, their internal studio. Yeah, it's a little concerning when you know, sort of the uh, main game manufacturing system is shut down in a service that has had a bit of a rocky start, let's say. Yeah. They had some some problems when they came out of the gate and kind of confusing uh, pricing models and it was unclear what games are going to be offered and how frequent new games added to it. But Google's not known for... Cons- well, it, I, I guess they're consistent in this way that they they sort of test the waters on a lot of things until people love them and then they kill them. That's true. They're good at killing things. They are. <laughs> they are. The things that we love. I know, I know. Uh, let's look at some more news. Uh, Huawei launching a new phone, February 22nd. Yeah, uh, the Mate X2 Foldable. It's another one of these folding screen phones, which I don't know if yeah. they've... Uh, they haven't lit the world on fire yet because the price is still just out of this world you're looking two grand to get yeah. uh, a phone that has a folding screen but like we saw with samsung it's you know 
multiple generations of this technology is getting better and better, more compelling. Yeah. Um, I think the challenge though, is always having that. What's the compelling reason? What does it need to fold for me? Like, what am I getting? What kind of extra features is that two grand giving me above a regular phone? That's half the price. It is folds. It, more it, fo- estate? it folds, John. Yeah. <laughs> so does my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're paying extra for that folding one. That's right. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. I thought, I thought maybe we would be further along in the price drops on this technology. Do you know what I mean? I thought maybe it would take about two, three years to start seeing the price get down to something that would be maybe a little more mainstream. But we're, I, I think it's going to be another few years. I agreed. I'm also, I'm not convinced of the wow factor anymore. Yeah. I think a lot of people are like, okay, yeah. so what? It folds. <laughs> It's not like you've got like, you know, this magical device that nobody else has because no one cares about it. Yeah. I need, I need a rollable, I need a rollable screen now. Well, that's coming based on what we saw at CES. Yeah. So I'm going to throw that out there. Okay. We are going to have to take a break. Still lots more to talk about on the app show today. We're going to be talking wine apps. We'll also be taking some of your questions uh, from the website uh, and uh, we're going to be looking at digital art fused with physical art. Back after this. You're back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Still lots to talk about in today's program, including how to use a wine app. You'll have to stay tuned for that. We've got some uh, good apps for you to check out. Let's talk about art right now. We've uh, got a great guest on the line. His name is Ben Cooper. He is the man behind the Vancouver Mural Festival, an outdoor exhibit that is activated with augmented reality on your smartphone. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Thanks for having me. So from what I understand, uh, this is uh, happening in uh, Vancouver uh, from February 12th to the 28th, I I believe. Uh, So there will actually be these, uh, I guess, murals and installations uh, around Vancouver. Tell us a little bit more about it. So VMF Winter Arts is a brand new festival. It's the first augmented reality festival in Canada. And there will be sculptures throughout downtown, which people can scan QR codes uh, and activate augmented reality experiences. Uh, and so there's going to be 25 sculptures uh, or 25, there's going to be 25 artists dispersed all throughout downtown. And are they going to be outside freezing in the cold or <laughs> does that work? Uh, yes, uh, they will be outside. We figured that's the, the safest way to get people engaging with public art. Uh, the mural festival over the summer went really well and, and, people really enjoyed engaging with all the neighborhoods throughout Vancouver. And uh, this was a way that we could get people in engaging with art in a safe way. Are there any specific hours to this or is this just like 24 seven, they can go there anytime? Uh, they, people can go there anytime with, with their own bubble. The sculptures will be up 24 seven from uh, February 12th to 28th. And how does it work with your smartphone? Explain the the steps there that uh, uh, people would have to go through to to make that all happen, to make the magic happen. Right. So um, people will go to the sculptures. There'll be a little QR code, uh, which they'll scan with with their camera or uh, perhaps a QR scanning app, depending on which platform you're on. And then they'll be able to choose whether to see it on Instagram or Facebook. And then once they click on that link, it'll pop up on their phone and they'll uh, be treated to a variety of different uh, AR experiences. Some will be uh, pieces that 
kind of extend out from uh, printed materials and others are uh, sculptures that you can place and resize and put wherever you want, like giant, giant dinosaurs, caribous, uh, all kinds of things. Um, give us uh, some, some examples then uh, maybe pick randomly some of your favorites. Um, one of them uh, is a, a piece called the Positivosaurus, and it's um, this giant, happy, colorful dinosaur that uh, kind of dances around, uh, which I it's what, which I really love. It's a world placement object, so it's a sculpture that you can place anywhere. So you can place it right beside you and take a picture with it and um, dance with it or do whatever. Uh, there, there's some really cool um, mirror of uh, like tracker-based works. Uh, there's one by uh, Margaret August and Krista Hillage, uh, which is uh, based on a mural uh, in right near Butte and Davie. Um, and it has an animation that comes alive when you when you uh, point your phone at it. So yeah, quite a variety of experiences. Ben, these things, when you, when you actually activate them, you're there in person, you're looking at it through your smartphone. And like you said, it sort of comes alive on your phone, are you able to save that, or can you take it home with you and then have these, you know, the positivosaurus in your living room or anything like that, or is it literally meant to be in that physical uh, space? Sure. Part part of the reason that we launched through Spark AR, which is the uh, Instagram and Facebook kind of backend, is that it just makes it really easy to share pictures and videos with other people, and so it encourages other people to come down and have their own experience. Because especially with the the sculptural objects, each person can can do their own unique thing with it, and they, they can place it where they want and and kind of have their own uh, have their own play with it. It must be interesting to see people interacting with these on their phones in in the real world. I mean, it's kind of different than your normal murals where you see a lot of people taking photos and they're getting, you know, the shots for the gram on there, that kind of thing. But when they're actually able to have animations and other things come alive, uh, it might be really, it'd be cool to have like a camera filming those people interacting with the sculpture just to see what they're doing and how they're moving around and experiencing it through their phones. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm actually really looking forward to that aspect of it. I mean, we've been playing around with them a lot internally to, uh, you know, work out bugs, but also just out of pure enjoyment. It's going to be really interesting to see what the broader public thinks of it and how they interact with it, because it really is, uh, it, there's no set way to interact with a lot of these. You, you can you can look at them from a lot of different angles, uh, and especially with the sculptural pieces, there's there's a lot of room for play and exploration there. I find it interesting that you're blending uh, kind of the, the physical world with uh, the digital world with augmented uh, reality. Um, how, how do artists uh, get involved with this? And, you know, is there anything that they can learn to, to blend those two things together? Is that something you guys help with as well? Mm -hmm. uh, we did a, a call, a, a public call for artists. We got over 200 applications and then our curator uh, went through that and picked 25 different artists and it's really quite a broad spectrum of skills uh, some of them are only uh, were traditionally 2d artists some of them are 3d artists but have no experience with ar and there was some that that have ar experience but uh, a big part of what we try to do is um, facilitate learning within uh, those artists so 
the two D artists and the three D artists were either learning Spark or or helping or or being paired with a technologist to help them realize their vision uh, in three dimensions. Um, and so it's been a really interesting process. People wrapping their minds around what's possible with with AR because it's really beyond uh, what we're normally used to just consuming on a 2D screen. I, I like that. So even though the, some of these artists, artists wouldn't have had any digital experience, you can actually pair them up and, uh, you know, help them collaborate on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we got a, a wide gamut of, um, of, of representation. We have 50% women, 50% BIPOC. Um, and then we also have representations from all three local nations, as well as uh, some other, uh, some other nations within Canada. Where can people find out more information about this? And uh, is there a cost? Uh, you, you can go to vanmuralfest.ca and uh, there's no cost. It's absolutely free to the public. Uh, you just need to uh, have a smartphone and some time on your hands. And then uh, there will also be programming, um, which we'll be announcing soon in conjunction with uh, VPL, which uh, people can also tune in for free to learn more about uh, different tools they can use to create AR or just uh, other ideas about um, augmented reality and, and where art is today. Been talking with Ben Cooper. He's the man behind the Vancouver Mural Festival. Again, vanmuralfest.ca if you want to find out more information uh, and about their collaboration with VPL, the Vancouver Public Library. When we come back from the break, it's all about wine and wine apps. Stay tuned. You're back with the app show. Mike and John here. John, let's talk about booze. Uh, yes. And we'll get to, to wine here, but uh, you're, you and I are big beer drinkers, and you actually keep track of all the beer you drink. Not for health, yeah. but for, for pride and, and love and accolades. Well, yeah, I, I use an app called Untapped, and it allows me to sort of remember the breweries or the beers that I've tried as, you know, we used to travel the world, um, but also the local craft breweries. It's good to know if you've tried something, because sometimes these breweries will have very limited runs, and they'll come back with something like a seasonal beer. and like, did I try that last year? I can't remember. And you can quickly look it up in the app. And so... I had a conversation with uh, Fiona, my fiance about this. And we were like, what about wine? Is there something like untapped for wine? And I'm like, Hey, I know someone that is an expert in the wine field. She's been in, involved in the wine business for a long time. And who am I going to talk to? I'm going to talk to Leanne Froze. And uh, we actually have her on the line to help <laughs> us understand what our options are in the wine world. Cause I think a lot of people, I think when they find a bottle of wine that they like, the go-to thing. And I think this is the same for beer people as well. You just take a picture of the label and hope that you can find that photo <laughs> exactly. 10,000 photos later. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> no, this is, I'm, I'm interested uh, in this segment because uh, I'm getting a little bit more into wine. My wife loves wine uh, and, you know, she'll send me to the liquor store to, to pick up, you know, bottles, but it's like a maze to me. I just can never find anything. I don't know what anything means. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited to have you on Leanne. Uh, you're with town hall brands. Uh, you've been doing marketing, uh, and all sorts of things for wineries and wine regions, uh, you know, for many years now. And uh, you do enjoy wine uh, as well. So just wanted to pick your brain on uh, on maybe some of the uh, the apps and, and, and what tools you use to uh, keep track of the wines that uh, you like or, or discover new ones. Yeah, well, thanks so much, Mike. It's great to be on with you guys and, you know, to talk about a passion of mine, which is wine, of course. 
Um, I, I'm not a big beer drinker, so I'm super curious about Untapped and how it works as it compares to wine. So maybe off air, we can talk about that later and compare notes, John. <laughs> you sure. can tell me how it works. But, um, you know, when it comes to wine apps, uh, Mike, I think you described it best. Like a lot of people don't know where to start when they're shopping. Like there's that side of it. And then there's also like using and sharing and tracking what you have. So, um, you know, I think the place to start with a wine app is like, what do you want to use it for? You know, do you want to use it to celebrate what you've tasted and remember what you've tasted, kind of like what John says and keep track of it? Or are you looking at for it to be a shopping aid? Right. So there's a few different apps that can help you along the way with that. Well, you've actually compiled a, a list of uh, apps uh, for us to uh, to chat about. Uh, do you want to maybe go through some of these and uh, what you like uh, about the, the different ones? Yeah, definitely. So I, you know, I prefaced it by saying depends on what you want to use it for. So I'll just, you know, I made a list of uh, four or five here that are kind of most commonly used. Um, one is called Vivino. And basically, um, like with Untapped, you scan the label and when you and that it takes you into all these different aspects of what you can do once it identifies that wine at that point you know you can you can pull up um crowdsourced like tons and tons um, probably in the thousands of um crowdsourced reviews so if you pulled up a certain label you can find out you know do most people give it a certain score or do most people find that it was worth the money you know all these things to aid you in your shopping choice and then this particular app does help you in your shopping choice because it will connect right to being able to buy it so you can you can action your purchase from it um, the other thing too about Vivino is that you can also use it to track your seller so if you are a wine collector and you have a lot of wines on hand you can keep track of what you drank how much it's aging because um, unlike beer, you know, wine you often lay down and you you visit it later. So yeah, that's, that's one aspect. So that's that, Vivino. That, that's something that Untapped doesn't do. It's it's more for the consumption side of things and or shopping. Um, but yeah, Vivino is the one that you put me onto at first, and it's actually the one I I think I like the most of the ones I tried because it was the most like Untapped in that. I, and I was impressed too, because I found what I thought were some pretty obscure wines and I was able to scan the labels and it found them. And the nice thing about these types of apps is the discoverability about them. And the, I guess the challenge I have with some of these apps from a rating standpoint is everyone has a different palette. Everyone has a different mm-hmm. sort of um, scoring system for these things. And, and this is true of how I score my the beer that I like. I have a kind of like a, a binary scoring system it's like either i really like it i want to buy it again or i'm not going to buy it again if i am given the opportunity to so the nice thing is is you have this variety of things and also you have the ability to take photos of your wine or your wine wine experience so if you're at a wine tasting bar or some other cool place you can sort of capture that moment kind of like instagram and have a record of that where you enjoyed that particular glass as well does it give like does it give like the history of the wine and, and things like that Um, It depends on how much um, information has been input from both the brand side as well as from the crowdsource, because some people are so enthusiastic that they will dump everything that they know into their review. So you can get little bits and bobs, you know, kind of like when you go to TripAdvisor and you looked at the different reviews, you have people crowdsourcing, you know, some will say I liked it and some will say I liked it because of blah, 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 blah. (laughs) How how accurate, uh, how how accurate did you find the reviews when you were trying different wines? (laughs) 
Well, I think that John hit on something really important and app or no app, you know, I always tell friends who are not in the industry to, you know, if they were looking for someone to recommend wines to them, try to find that person whose palate is like yours that you identify with so that when they recommend something, you think, oh, they recommended that to me before and I liked it. So I'm going to trust them. They're going to be my trusted advisor for recommendation. But with an app, it's, it's different because there's so many so all you do is as you practice wine tasting, you can say, okay, these are the flavors that I experienced, which might be different than what you get, Mike, or you, John, like we might, because we do all have different palates, but there might be some commonality. And then when I looked to the review, I go, oh, that person reviewing also got the same flavors I did. Do I agree with what they think about it? And I think that could be a starting point, you know, and that's almost like on social media. Um, I don't, I, you know, maybe I'll talk about a couple of the other apps and we can revisit that social media piece near the end. But um, another one that I like to use and I use myself is called Delectable. And I find that a lot of the um, wine trade do like this one. Um, you'll find more sommeliers on this one. And, um, you know, again, you take the photo of the label and it brings it up for you. And this one also does beer and spirits. So unlike some of the wine only ones, you can you can uh, you can have that there. And then to go really deep into the collector side, there's another app called Seller Tracker. And this one um, has actually got reviews from wine experts from throughout the world, people who write for wine magazines, such as Decanter, they're contributing to this one. And this one really can help you if you are a collector, you have inventory, you wanna keep track of um, another thing about wine is that as it ages, it increases in value sometimes. So you can keep track of your value and what's the valuation of your seller. And if you, um, you said you found some obscure wines, John, but you can find older wines on Seller Tracker. So those are kind of the other aspects of it. And those are kind of the top three, Vivino, Delectable and Seller Tracker that are being used kind of you know throughout North America, I would say. You've got a couple more here. Uh, the next one, uh, Natalie McLean. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that's a person. I don't know who that is. Yeah. So Natalie is a lovely woman. She's based out of Ottawa and I have known her for a lot of my career. And she has um, started off as a wine writer and, and wine expert herself. And now she's taken this expertise to, um, you know, have an app. And again, you scan the label and it'll bring up pairing suggestions. It'll tell you, you know, how it tastes, where to buy it. So it's, it's a pretty good one, yeah. And finally, uh, I like this one here, Wines of British Columbia. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we have company over, not any more lately internationally, but, uh, you know, they wanted, <laughs> they, they, they'd like to pick up a bottle of, uh, of local wine, of BC wine. Yeah, to get your hashtag BC Wine Goals, you can use the BC Wine app. And um, it's a great resource of, you know, we've got 300 different labels uh, in British Columbia. So, you know, find find one that's close to you. Find it when they're open. Do you think you want to visit them again when we can? Or what, what wine do they have? How do you like it? What are other people saying about it? So it's it's great if you support local, you know, you can get in there and, uh, you know, compare your notes, log your own notes when you taste. Yeah, so there's that one as well. Um, you know, one thing I want to note though is just like to post their wines on social media and then talk about it there without using an app. So there's that side of it as well. We're talking with Leanne Froze. She's from Town Hall Brands, uh, been in the wine industry for many years about some of the cool wine apps uh, that you can uh, check out. Leanne, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me.
that was uh, really informative, and I'm, I'm actually going to try some of those out so that I, I don't look as stupid when I'm <laughs> picking out uh, the, the wines. When we come back from the break, it's uh, mailbag time. We're going to open up our listener mailbag for questions uh, that we can help answer for you. Back after this. You're back with the App Show. Mike and John here. going to dive into the listener and viewer mailbag. We get uh, questions off our website. Again, you can ask questions there at getconnectedmedia.com. This one was a good one, and I want to talk about it. Uh, They write in, Jim writes in, I recently sent my wife's iPad mini to Apple for repair. The instructions before sending were to erase the device, which I did. However, I did not make note of her Apple ID and password. Unfortunately, no record of them. Any suggestions on how to solve this problem? So I guess he has lost the Apple ID and password. Is that what it sounds like? Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, So presumably when he gets the device back, ideally what you would do is log in and then it would restore all of your backups and stuff like that. But if he didn't have a record of what the account was that was used, um, that could be difficult. Yeah, that's, I mean, nowadays, like all these devices are doing their best to be extra secure because hackers are always trying to get into them. So on the Apple side, your Apple ID is something you really need to know and you really need to have that password memorized or written down somewhere safe. Uh, in your situation, uh, typically it's an email address. The Apple, it is an email address. So, um, you know, you're going to have to ask your wife if she can remember her uh, email that she used for Apple, her Apple ID and the password. If she can't, you're going to have to at least have the email address because uh, from there you can basically try to recover the password. And so yeah. it, it will then basically email an alternative uh, or that email address. And hopefully you can then follow the instructions from there. Assuming Jim's wife has another device, like a computer or a laptop or something like that, where she can get her emails, maybe just search for, you know, something at iCloud.com or at me.com or even Mac.com, which would, you know, typically. But if she has one email address that she uses for everything, that's probably her username for yeah. the Apple account. And then it's just a matter of, like you said, hit the forget, forgot my password button and go through the steps. It also might get a little messy depending on whether or not the, um, the account had two-factor authentication turned on. Um, yes. And so right. what happens there is you'll have to have the password, but then it'll authenticate on a second device, like her phone, for example, and it'll yeah. send a text message and ask her to confirm that this person or, or her is allowed to get into whatever Apple device she's trying to get into. Yeah. The, the, the thing that I, that I would do, though, just to there's probably a record of it somewhere in an old email archive on another device, something from Apple. Like I said, iCloud, Mac, me.com. Those are all typical uh, Apple ID account information uh, stuff that that's how Apple would use to communicate with you. There is, they did a a thing a few years ago where they actually allowed you to use any email address to to sign up and you didn't have to use an Apple generated uh, ID. Yeah. So, It'll just depend on how old the device is and when that Apple ID was actually created. The absolute worst case scenario is you got to start over again. Yeah, that sucks because being able to restore the device from that Apple ID, then you get all the documents and information and photos that were on there. And that's the great thing about not only Apple, but even on the Google side. Once you're into that ecosystem, uh, you know, everything is kind of safe to it, right? 
you know, typically yeah. you get a bit of free cloud storage with it. You can buy more uh, cloud storage. And it, I got, I have peace of mind with that. Like I've, I've bought, uh, I've got a family plan on the Apple side and I think I've bought into the two terabytes of storage for the family. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Like it just backs up everyone's phone, all their documents, their emails, and also all their photos, probably the most important part, right? That's what's taking up all, all the space. And so that's just nice knowing that if I ever lose the device or I, it breaks and I have to you know get a new one, I can just type in my Apple ID and password and it just populates everything again. Yeah, I just got a, a, an iPad Air. I upgraded from the Apple iPad mini that I had and I literally just logged in with my Apple ID and within a couple of minutes, I was shocked how quickly it was starting to populate all the stuff. Everything was just there. It was like I hadn't left. Remember the old days? <laughs> It was, oh God, yeah. it was so painful. Like you'd have to make, have made sure you backed up uh, your phone to your computer in Apple's case, it would be like into iTunes and that took a while. And then, you know, for the new device, you'd have to then plug that in and then restore the backup into that device. It just took forever. Yeah. I don't know why the cloud's so much faster, but I think what it does is like, it doesn't back up all your apps. It backs up a list of your apps. Yeah. So as you're going through and using it after you've logged in again for the first time, um, it starts to download those things in the background. So until you actually need to click on something, you might not even notice that it's there and, and being uh, sort of brought in under the radar. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to be talking about a new camera from Canon that uh, can actually take pictures by itself and video by itself for you. I like that. Don't need a photographer anymore. You're listening to The App Show. Back after this. Yep. You're back with The App Show. Mike and John here. A little bit of time left. John, I don't know if you saw that. Uh, was it a Kickstarter campaign that Canon uh, did uh, for their new... It wasn't role- a Kickstarter. It, it, what was it? It was a crowdfunding campaign on a Japanese site. Okay, crowdfunding. Japanese site. Yeah. Uh, so I guess this is more aimed at the Japanese market. Well, they're they're testing the waters. And okay. It was interesting. This little camera kind of looks like a like a security camera. Yeah. Like a little pen and tilt security camera. But the idea is you throw it down in the park and it'll actually find you and track you as you're riding your bike around doing stunts or something and take photos and video of you. And you can even use voice commands to control it. So this thing's called the PowerShot Pick. It's got artificial intelligence built into it. Like you said, it looks like one of those little pan and tilts, you know, security cameras that you can get for your your home um it's interesting they're doing a crowdfunding campaign obviously that's a marketing stunt well it's a marketing stunt but it also helps them gauge interest yeah and also the appetite for that audience to pay the price for this uh the price that they were asking for uh was about forty thousand uh yen which is about 500 canadian yeah roughly if my math is correct um for this device and they got 10 times uh the interest that they expected what do you think? Like on, in the video, it's basically they just show this guy riding around a park. So unless I'm like into BMX spiking uh, or just like having, you know, running videos shot of me. like, like Well, I think this would be very popular with the TikTok crowd that want to have their little dance offs and stuff like it. that. Yeah. They can do remotely. The fact that it's voice control is really cool. It's got a um, it's got a zoom lens and image stabilization. And it's actually got a really nice uh, F 2.8 lens. So it's good in lower light. Um, so yeah, and 500 bucks seemed a little high for that though. Um, versus just getting your little brother or sister to hold the phone. Yeah. No kidding. I think that's all the time we have left, John. I want to thank 
obviously you, my uh, co-host and producer, and uh, Christina, our uh, other producer back at the studio, and the rest of the team that helped put the show together. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, Get Connected. Uh, that's on uh, every Saturday across the country at different cities and stations, and our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Got a great newsletter. Always got a contest going, so check out what's happening there this week, and lots of great videos as well. Uh, if you haven't yet, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We want more subscribers. It helps us make more videos. And uh, like the videos and uh, leave some comments on what you'd like to see as well. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.